Hello, Christopher Sweeney. Hello, Alan Cumming, and welcome to your weekly fix of Homo sapiens. Ah, I've missed it so. Uh, consider it your vitamin hit of wonderful queer assortments and delights. Of cornucopia. I could do with the vitamin hit of queer cornucopia because uh, it's raining a lot in British Columbia, I have to oh, say. Oh, no. It's, which, is, of course, it must as uh, nature. It's part, of the, it's part of a rainforest. Did you realise that? I did it's not. It's part of a, not a tropical rainforest, the other kind of rainforest. But yeah, this is, so no <clears> wonder <throat> it rains. But uh, it's also, there's, there's beauty in rain. There's beauty in wetness. Oh. As I'm sure you've discovered over the years. <laughs> Once in a while, you know, um, <laughs> when I when I'm on the top of my game. Um, and Alan, who are we talking to today? We're talking to a fascinating young person named Travis Alabanza, mm-hmm. who is a performer and playwright and sort of performance artist, I would say. Just an all-round general, fascinating, uh, trans-femme, non-gender conforming uh, young person uh, living in the uh, the British Isles. Yes. But we're going to find out all about uh, this, about them and their um, work because there's some really fascinating things have happened to them. And I'm hopefully going to have a good laugh as well. Yes, The Guardian called them the future of theatre. Well, they should know. Exactly. And um, they are the youngest person to be awarded a residency at the Tate. Aha, that's right. That's a big deal. And as oh, you... Was... That Wouldn't that be nice if that meant you got an apartment at the Tate Modern? I'd oh, love it. Can I have a residency that. at the Tate? <laughs> and you had and a little... free food in the restaurant. Oh, in that cafe. I'd love that. Yeah. And you could like, well, I could walk Lala in the Grand Turbine Hall. Oh, you could, couldn't you? Wouldn't that be great? That'd be a great place to live. Oh, they should shut that museum down and make it into apartments. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. God, I know. And as you were saying earlier, Travis is kind of funny. And like you said, oh, it, it's hilarious that Travis managed to make an art show out of having a burger thrown at them, which obviously yes. was a very, it was a sad event. But um, yes, but I think that you think, I love that. But actually, quite a lot of the trans people we've sp- spoken to recently, have, have, that's a sort of a theme in their work. They take something really awful that's happened to them, something really negative and quite aggressive. And they made some lemonade with it. And Travis is walking along the road. Well, I'm dying to hear the story. And someone threw a burger. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, what kind of burger? Was it a cheeseburger? Was it? Well, maybe it's a vegan. I hope it wasn't a vegan burger. I no. sense it wasn't. I don't think vegans throw their burgers at people. Not at trans people anyway. They really don't. They, they, they seem to be more clued up. Yes. And then they would use their vegan, aiming their vegan things at people more worthy of their ire than the lovely uh, um, Travis. So, um, yeah, I'm really fascinated. I think it's going to be fun. Please press play, Mr. DJ. <laughs> uh, you know where you heard it first. Coming up, here's an interview with Travis Alabanza. Hello, Travis. Hi. Hi, Hi Travis. Hi. <laughs> It's we so are so nice excited to, to see you. It's so cool. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, You're welcome. First of all, let's talk about your outfit because it's stupendous. It's stupid. It really You're is. right, isn't it? It's, stu- <laughs> <laughs> it's got a black and white sort of oblong dress. Wow, it's uh, it's a top with a little skirt. Oh, it's a top with a, with skirt, a skirt, a black and white. Yeah. And a Has it got words on it? Yeah, it's 
If oh, you were up it? close, it's fancy. It just says Calvin Klein. It just lets oh, them know that I, I dressed up for you all, you know? <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> but Travis, how are you? What, where, where are you? I'm in Bristol in the southwest mm. of England, pretending I live on a farm now because it's like the change of like from London to Bristol. But I don't. I live right in the centre of Bristol. It just feels like a bit of a... <laughs> I'm in like a pocket of Bristol that feels like it's, I don't know, like a community. It's very like small. It's where I grew up. Um, yes. And so, yeah, I kind of am one of those London expats from the lockdown that like spent Stayed. lockdown. <clears throat> yeah, spent lockdown one in London and then was like, if there is a lockdown two, my blood pressure can't take it again. So I need to jet to where like my mum's near and my friends are near so i moved to bristol mm. oh Gosh. wow yeah and, and how are you is how are you enjoying it being back in your i'm loving food? it it's like you know i was trying to say it to someone like in london i feel like how do i describe it like in london i feel like when something's going up the fan or like something's like you know someone's coming at you or you've got a trouble you've got to think about like getting a tube a bus or a tube to like the friend's house where you feel safe Whereas yeah. what I love about Bristol right. is I'm like 10 minutes away from anyone that I can feel safe with. And I just right. think that right oh. now in this time, that's mm, what I needed, totally. you know? I once went, did a play at Bristol Old Vic a thousand years ago and I had rented this wee house and it was right next to a city farm. Yes, that's right near me. That's ten, is it? Yes, that's about ah. a 10 minute walk and a nine minute, a nine minute slope, a like fast paced walk and a six minute cycle from my house. I went there oh the other God. day. I went there the other day on a date. Oh, Did that's you? nice. Yeah. How was the date? Uh, it's the last date I'm going on with them, but it was nice to see the animals. <laughs> <laughs> Every cloud, eh? Exactly. I was like, you know what? This was good because I'm going to take another date to this farm. This reminded me that this farm exists. I love the city farm. Me too. Oh, it was so, so nice. I, I just I stayed there for a couple of months. Yes. Oh my God, centuries ago. When was it? Like 1989. Um, oh gosh, you know what? I also, what's the name of the theatre? Not the Old Vic, but the other one, like the, the Hippodrome, is it? Hippodrome, Tobacco Hippodrome. Factory, Coastal, yeah. Because I did this um, thing for, for, for Sky TV, I think, called uh, Urban Secrets or something like that. And I went around all these different cities. And one of the se- secret things I did in Bristol was I got to go up to the top of that theatre and unwind the thing and the and the ceiling the dome un, came up came apart uh, no it didn't, didn't go like that one it came across like that so you wind it and the roof opens and it's and it still does it and they never do it they never so actually in the theatre sometimes you could be sitting there and suddenly like just sunshine above you Wow. Oh God. Isn't that amazing? That's major. That's an urban secret. <laughs> I won't tell anyone. <laughs> what's the um what's the dating scene like in Bristol? Um <laughs> God, we go. Like, I was thinking you've been for a while, you're like, here we go. <laughs> well, I haven't went blood. on a date for a while too. Uh, do you know what? As soon as it was weird, like I had all of these like lockdown um because I I drove to Bristol like as soon as lockdown lifted and, and I had in lockdown, I like did all these like cliche new things about myself. I, I stopped smoking for the first time in ten years. I didn't drink alcohol. I was like, like I was like not thinking about sex. All of this. As soon as my mm. friend drove me by, drove me like past the Welcome to Bristol sign. I had a rolly, a cider, and swiped right <laughs> to a boy that looked like he was in indie ba- in an indie band. As soon as I went past the scene, <laughs> and I feel like kind of like I haven't. I mean, it's hard. What is dating in this time? But I do feel like. Um, you know, I've done well in the last 10 years to not date many people in bands and three out of the four people I've been on dates with in the last two months, they all really? say they're in a band. So I don't Bristol know what that's sounds. saying about me. Yeah, it's very Bristol. I feel like a cliche. I think I'm going to get a stick and poke tattoo next week. Who knows? <laughs> it's so funny that, isn't it? How I have that with like, 
people I went to school with who I knew when I was younger, I can be the best behaved as soon as I see them. I'm smoking and like I just revert to that person. Honestly, and like I think, I, you know, now that I know I'm staying here, I've got to make some more long term like shifts to like myself and I can't just keep on being like, I'm back home in Bristol, let me act like an 18 year old again. But it was that mm. like the first, the first, but I also think it was that like, release of like so much pressure and like keeping yourself together in lockdown that like I went past and my friend turned around and was like I can't believe you've not smoked for like this long and I said I can't either do you have any backing and it was just it was just (laughs) there you know (laughs) well I think it's like I don't know about you but is it brought up some old habits for you like it's brought up a lot of old habits at the beginning to then push me to make new ones do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and I feel like my habits when stuff is unsure or like things aren't certain is that then like I become obsessive in like one really small part of my life or whatever. And so I've had to really fight the urge to go into old habits. And I think it's been like a real test to like mm. try and really accept when you don't know when something's going to, what's going to happen, you know, and yeah. I, and I yeah. relax into that. Try to, you know, someone said this thing about dealing with uh, things like a global pandemic is that you crack along your usual fissures first so the the areas that you would break normally they go first when you're going through something massive so that's why we're all smoking basically (laughs) great i'm gonna tell that to my mum. and then what happens a full breakdown oh (laughs) (laughs) i thought thought there was more of a point to that thesis there first of all we crack in the usual fissures and then oh no nothing just like well just because travis was saying you know you go back to your i so i was talking about and I was like, it's like all this old stuff. And she was like, well, that's because you crack along the fissures that exist mm. in you anyway. So you go back there first. Yes. Before, yeah. you know. You're right. Because that's the first place I went to when things started. You know, I was on tour when the lockdown was called. We had to get the flight Ooh. back. And the first thing I was thinking of, even though I knew my situation had changed, was I thought, I've got no money. I've got no food. I've got this. Like all of my mm. old triggers around poverty and all of that came the first time I got that email saying we're sorry we're postponing Mm. that next show and Mm, you're right those first two weeks were about like trying to untrain yourself that that's not where you are now that this is different this is a different thing you know such a weird thing isn't it have you been um, writing during this time um if you asked me that a month ago I would have said fuck off but um (laughs) no uh recently I feel like I'm back you know I I took like I, I really um I wanted to learn how to rest, if I'm honest. I wanted to learn how to like actually not produce anything. What does it mean to like not have an output and mm. like actually stop? So that was my main goal. Like I turned off my emails for a few months. I said to people wow. that I was going to try and just take a chill. And then I said to myself, September, I would get back into work and like try and figure out what that means. So yeah, September, mm. I've been writing, but um. I really wanted to try and not romant. I think so often we romanticize trauma straight away before we've even processed it. We're like, totally. you know, we're like, this bad thing's happening. Oh my God, I'm going to be able to write out. Oh my God, I can make this show. Oh my God, I can. T-. And I was like, that's what you've done so many times. Can you try a different thing? So you're making you know? me think yeah. of something that I've heard you say, Travis, which is like, because we all went through that thing together, you know, COVID, um, uh, we all had to we had we could share it and actually normally when we have problems they're quite personal and you have to reveal them to people and i remember you saying something around like people won't ask for help when they're in trouble and that was slightly to do with your burgers show am i right yeah i'm 
God, I can't remember what I said yesterday, but I think that, uh, but you know, I think that. Uh, I'll remember that bit. So when Travis, when you said that you no longer smoke. <laughs> but you know, well, I think that as a society and as people, we're like really structured to not only not ask for help, but think that help is a sign of weakness or failure. Yeah. As if help isn't like the most natural thing, right? Like, mm. and we are built to make the only succeed by like, being on our own track. And what I think, you know, it's hard. You have to do all the prefaces of like, obviously COVID isn't a good thing. None of these things are good that all these people are dying and they're suffering. However, obviously there's always lessons in shit that happens. And mm. you know, when I saw the mutual, like streets mm. of people suddenly talking to each other, offering to get mm. food for people saying, I actually need this, or I've got this, can you get this? I remember like, during the general election, my street that I was living on in London, none of us were talking to each other. We were all just putting up our different stickers of who we were voting for and no mm. conversation. And suddenly this lockdown starts and I'm having all of these conversations between gardens and walls with these people mm. who are saying, I need help. And I don't want to romanticize it in this like washy liberal way, but there is something in that. You know, there is something in saying, fuck, when shit's hitting the pan, you can't do it by yourself. And it's actually mm. not this humiliating thing to ask for help. It's a natural thing to ask for help. Yes, mm. yes. Mm. And we've been so inured to that notion. We're not, we're, we're, we're told it's not. I, I agree, the whole thing of weakness. And although actually, you know, in Britain to still, to some extent, especially compared to, you know, in, in the United States of America, where I'm based mostly, there at least there still is a safety net there for that very purpose. You know, there is a, there is a way you can ask for help. Whereas here, you're just it definitely is seen as a weakness. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about, about burgers because I'm really fascinated. By, like, so for those of people listening, um, Travis wrote this play called Burgers. After I mean, are inspired by when you're walking along the street and someone threw a burger at you. Yeah. Can, can you just talk us through what was going on there and what I'm I'm, I'm actually curious about what kind of burger it was, what you're wearing. <laughs> I just want the details. Alan right was now, like, so. was it vegan? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't vegan, and I don't make it a vegan burger in the show. Even though I should know my audience, I should probably make a we, vegan we, burger. We were like, we were like, a vegan wouldn't throw a burger. That's right. I'm sure it wasn't a vegan. Um, well, put it this way: they weren't asking for my number. I can tell you that. No. So I was, um, you know, it's funny because the show was it was on tour up until lockdown happened. We were in Brazil, so the show's been going for like two years. Um, it's nice because the last time I was in Bristol was doing the show at Bristol Old Vic for a week as well. Oh, wow. and yeah, so it was nice when you mentioned that as well. I, lo I love. I loved being in that theatre. That's such a beautiful theatre. It's, it's an old it's uh, Frank's, Frank Matcham, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Designed. And growing so. up, and growing up in Bristol, you know, Bristol Old Vic was the one that you were like, you, can, I, you know, I couldn't go in. I wasn't posh enough to go in, but you would be like, oh my god, I want to be in Bristol Old Vic, you know. Mm. And so when I went in, I was like, I remember I wore a really nice gown for the opening night because I was like, this is happening, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> but um, no, the show was actually 2016 is when the incident happened, so there is a bit mm. of distance between like talking about it now you know i'm saying the jokes about it now but obviously when it happened it was quite intense like i was yeah. on waterloo bridge which for people that don't know is like a big one of the main i would say the main bridge in central london you know it's where yeah. somerset house is london eye um i was walking from uh somerset house and then i had a a gig at the south bank i was on a panel or something and i was dressed to the nines you know i was in a gorgeous ah, oh, gorgeous little pink tight mini dress with a big collar some yellow mm. glasses and a pastel blue like very giving like pastel 1950s housewife kind of vibe um mm. 
that was the fantasy. I was in it, walking on in my own little world, midday, you know. Um, Did you have a handbag? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was like a little pastel blue one here. It was gorgy. Amazing. And, and um, a little white heel. So it was very nice. like, you know, yeah, you can picture it. Um, Class. You know, yeah, yeah. It was it was stunning. And I was walking across and that bridge already makes you think you're in a music video. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. Yeah, that bridge. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you walk through that bridge and you're like, shit, I'm I'm really that girl. Uh and let alone that outfit. And so I'm walking, I'm in my fantasy, and then I just like feel like this huge fud on my shoulder. And I turn around and I kind of don't, you know, didn't really picture. And then I just hear the words, you know, they shouted um the T words at me, you know, uh really loudly and it kind of took me a minute you know I was like wait and then I see the the mayonnaise on my dress because it had stained and I look and in 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 Waterloo Bridge it has the middle section like where people can you're not really meant to be but you could be if you're there and I just see this guy like staring at me and like there and a burger box and I kind of I'm like oh and so then I just pause and kind of look around and people kind of stopped and looked then they looked at me and then this is the thing that doesn't get in the show but I guess I was in shock. I just stopped and I carried on walking and I just kind mm. of like was like, uh, and I didn't do anything and no one else, mm. because no one else was doing anything. And so mm. then I just carried on. And yeah. so the show is kind yeah. of looking at that moment of like, why do we not do anything? Why did I not mm. do anything? Why did he do this? Why did no one do anything? So, yeah. Was the man across the other side of the street? He was in the middle, in the central thing. Yeah, he kind of moved over to the middle. Yeah. So you and this happened and you, and you and people saw and you walked on and nobody said, "Are you okay?" No one. So the show. There's some spoiler mm. alerts, but um, the show. Uh, uh, luckily, I mean, when we do it, when the show comes back in 2014, when we're allowed a live show again. Um, <laughs> but the someone did look into my eye and kind of uh, give me a look. To, and I'm, I've, I thought about that look a lot. I'm not sure if it was like a, "Do you need me to do something?" And then because I carried on, they didn't. But there was one person that looked into my eye. But, you know, well, busy good. street, yeah. no one said anything. Lots of men around that could have said things to other men. Um, but, uh, yeah, they didn't. And so the show really does, doesn't really, for me, I didn't want to make a show where all I, I don't really talk about the event um, mm-hmm. because I didn't want a show that goes, here are all the bad things that happened to me. That's like a really relevant show for some people. But for me, I was making the show for a purpose of like, there's too much apathy in this world there's too many people walking past i want to make a show where we recreate the situation and i've hopefully taken an hour to make sure that everyone stops everybody from doing anything Hmm. so um in the show it's in it's set in a kitchen like a working kitchen i start to make a burger and i invite a random white cisgender man from the audience every night to make the burger with me and we make a burger every night and we talk about malehood masculinity the event gender and at the end of the show, after the burger... Well, he we, takes part in it. He talks he, too. Yes, yes. It's all improvised every single night. Oh, wow. Um, so some of it's scripted, but he's new every night. I asked... The house yeah. lights go up. I asked for a volunteer. I said, who wants to cook this burger with me? And wow. all these, like, young queers put their hand up because they're keen. I go, oh, no, sorry for this one. I'm going to need a white man. Um, and you sign, like, two men. And their girlfriends, like, <laughs> push their arms up. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, they come on stage and they cook a burger with me. And they don't know where it's going, but I know where it's going. And yeah. then we recreate the moment and we see if anyone stops it from happening every night. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Do you make, do you, did you make him throw the burger? 
well, if no one stops it, then yeah, he throws it. Oh my God. Oh, that's yeah. so great. Yeah. So it's like, becomes more about what it takes for people. Because I realised that British theatre, like, I asked loads of people after, I was like, why don't you do anything when something's going on? And they were like, oh, I don't know if it's mm. my my business. I don't know if I should. I don't know. And I said, oh, that sounds like how British audiences feel in a theatre. <laughs> they, you know, they never like, you know, they never laugh that loud. They never actually, oh, you know, they're mm. so stiff. And I was like, wait, so maybe bystandering on a tube in public, etc., could be like recreated in the sense of a British theatre audience. Uh, That's, that I love that. Awkwardness of like, okay, mm. I want to stop something because this feels wrong. I'll need to go against my social knowledge of how I feel. You know, British people just like to stay in that to themselves. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. have to break that. I just, it just seems, it's such a surreal moment. Yeah. For, mm. for <laughs> yeah. In, any, in any capacity. <laughs> and I wonder, I, you know, that what he, throwing food, throw, I mean, I guess that's all the ammunition he had. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's lucky, I suppose, he had a burger in his hand. It could well, be much, much Yeah. Worse. Well, I, I think about it a lot, and it actually like so. With the sh- when the show did a tour of the UK, we um we did this thing called Trans Talks, where I invited trans audience members before the show to come and eat mm. vegan this time, vegan burger and chips mm. with me, and I'd ask them about their experiences outside. And what we found is we interviewed like two hundred or so trans people, and mm. f- like forty of them had had food thrown at them in public. Really? So for me, it was sad, but also healing to know that like this moment that I thought was like out of this world enough to make a show was unfortunately like quite a common occurrence for people, you know? Yes. Because I think what happens so much in life is really shocking things happen to you and you just, there's something in you that pulls you into like, don't react, keep moving or yeah. whatever. And then you're like, oh, it's the, it, for me, it like honestly can hit me two days later. Exactly that. Cause I was with, you know, I was da- I was with my partner at the time and I remember like I got home from work and they were like, how was your day? I was like, yeah, good, thank you. How was yours? And they were like, yeah, good. And they were like, you sure you're good? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, like actually someone threw a burger at me. And like, we mm. both kind of laughed. And then I remember the next day, I, you know, typical me, I was like, I've got an issue with you. You laughed when I said I threw a burger. And they were like, well, you laughed, you made it a thing. And I was like, oh sh- shit. Yeah. We were both just a bit like, what do you do yes. when someone does how that? How do you react yeah. to that? You know, you get Arts Council funding. That's how you react. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. I think we're taught from films that you're meant to be really perfect at the response. And actually, I think I try and remind myself that it's okay to return to something two days later and go, I had a problem with that. And that's not me being like annoying. It's just like, I'm sorry, but that's how long it takes occasionally. Do you know what I mean by that? Absolutely. And I think that for me, that show is actually that time to do that because actually I didn't really think about it straight after and you know I made the quit but I didn't think about making a show until two years after it happened and it wasn't until it was a year or so later I was um in a bit more of a close call when it came to a physical altercation on the streets of how I look Mm. and um after that all I could think about was when the burger was thrown. I wasn't thinking about this moment that was well, maybe on paper. more more violent or dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It was more. more dangerous and a bit more of like a, oh, there's not really a funny way to tell this story. Like it was, it wasn't, didn't have the image, didn't have the pastel pinks, didn't have the mayonnaise, you know, it was a bit more like, <laughs> mm. oh crap. Like what? less glam. Yeah, le- very less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's less glam in Knife Point. I'll tell you that. But <laughs> <laughs> I think if all of this stuff is happening to you and 
I have a choice, you know, like you've seen it. The first thing we said was look at my outfit. Like I can either choose to reduce how I am or be mm. like, this might happen, but you've got to find a way to, to keep yes. it, keep it moving, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about you is that you're really fun and funny and upbeat. And I think that sometimes I, uh, and I've, I've heard you say this as well, but like sometimes I feel like the trans community are pulled into a heavy chat the whole time. And it's like, that it's it's so one dimensional and actually i'm not, you know i'm not just someone who pops up on news night to defend some stupid argument you're full of so much laughter and fun and that's what i love about you yeah and and it's exactly that like there is something it's not that it's funny that someone threw a burger at you but there is something mm. funny about how for me what is going on in the world that yes. i must be able to make such a reaction for you that you mm. have left the food that you had bought and it's central <laughs> yeah. London. So that's going to cost a bit. That's and nine quid. Yeah, exactly. You've given your mortgage away in this burger to throw at me. That There's something yes. funny in that because, yes. because what's it's coming so, on, the, the, you know? <laughs> and also I think, well, two things. I, I think also that, you know, the, the way this that sort of trans sort of coverage always tends to be about the bad things, the negative things mm. and the sort of, and also of course, rightly so because there's been so much of that mm-hmm. uh, of late um especially in in britain but but um um uh, well everywhere of course but but also i feel that that kind of uh shadows the sort of the joy of trans the joy oh. of trans people and the kind of the the uh, the laughter and the great and the commu- sense of community yes. and the solidarity you know we don't hear enough about that because oh. of that the other side Mm. So, I mean, you must know from being in the business, you must have met so many joyous trans people influencing yes. your career and life all the time, right? I bet. Absolutely. Mm. And I feel like, yes, there's all this pain. And yes, we still can't go outside and not have things thrown at us. And yes, there are all these people debating us and talking about us in that way. But I think when you decide to literally ch- say you are not the gender you were told, you have trans people are some of the most joyful people I know and have such ability to be like bring levity and quick wittedness because nothing requires quick wit than like literally changing a gender (laughs) you know like it's a ride (laughs) (laughs) you know it's a lot and I think that there is so much joy but also it's like I think for me the frustration has is because the coverage of us isn't controlled by us it's controlled Mm, by other people they decide the beat that we're in at Whereas I first met trans people in nightclubs. I first met us when we were lighting up rooms with like talent and joy and laughter and and performance. That's when I realized I was trans, when I met other people Mm. in clubs. And there's so much joy there that you don't get to see in that conversation, you know? (laughs) Haha, isn't this great fun? God, I love Travis. That's the end of part one. But there's more coming in part two. You know what to do. Head over to the feed, click part two. Powered by Spirit Studios.